0: Welcome to Old Town, New World. We're here in Old Town, Rock Hill, South Carolina. And uh, we're at Millstone Pizza, enjoying the ambiance and the the beverages. And um, we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town, USA. Today, we have a guest with us named Amanda Lee. Barney, sometimes known as Mandy, but only by her family usually. Unless her brother introduced you to her, then maybe you would call her Mandy too. But as far as I'm gonna go with, is Amanda because that's the way I met you. So Amanda, thanks for being here, first of all.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. You, Amanda, live in Rock Hill, is that right? Yes. Where whereabouts?
1: Uh, over by Winthrop and Substation Two. Okay,
0: great. So near the university. Do you have any other uh, affiliations with the university? Do you go there or anything?
1: No, I used to steal their internet years ago.
0: <laughs> Do they have passwords on it now?
1: I think so. It's more secure than it used to be. Uh,
0: okay. Perhaps. So what brought you to Rock Hill?
1: My family moved down here. My dad is sort of a rolling stone and a dreamer, so he wanted to move down here. Um, so I, you know, we just came along because I was in the eighth grade. So. Okay.
0: Well, I guess you couldn't be like, I'm not going. No. He's...
1: Actually, I protested, but it wasn't really going anywhere.
0: And you moved down from where? I'm sorry.
1: West Virginia. West Virginia. What part? Kind of the middle, like right in the middle of the state, not that far outside of Charleston. Uh, yeah,
0: I've been to Charleston, West Virginia. Interesting place. It, it's revitalized I guess recently, huh? A
1: little bit. It's there's not much there except for like people and their land and coal and <laughs> there's a
0: gritty quality. Even the downtown that was revitalizing with like the pizza place crap here and all that, it just had a gritty grittiness about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the stereotype that you see in the movies, like Deliverance or something, um, but it's, you know, there's not much going on, and now the, you know, the population that took care of things when I was growing up is aging out, so now it's the younger kids, and but now they're on their phones or watching TV instead, so nobody's really like getting out and fixing the things back up. So. That's interesting.
0: That's very interesting. I'd be curious... Uh, if we have a listener in Charleston who is saying, what, wait a minute, I'm doing a bunch of cool stuff, you have no idea, you should come visit me. Because I know we have that issue in Rock Hill, man. People all over the place are like, you know, Rock Hill? Because they'll be like, nothing's going on in Rock Hill. And i say, well, when's the last time you've been downtown Rock Hill? And they're like, I don't know, 20 years? I'm like, well, you ought to check it out, you know, because things have changed. We were talking about that, how much has changed in Rock Hill. Um, so you've been here since eighth grade, um, now how much, I mean, What have you seen change-wise here in in Rock Hill?
1: Oh, a lot. I mean, when I lived there, you know, the the nearest movie theater was an hour away. Charleston actually is kind of a college town, it seems like now is what it feels like, but it was a big city then. So when we moved down here, this was much more kind of, um, for lack of a better word, civilized. You know, there was just more going on and more, you know, even though Rock Hill still had a long way to go back in 94. Um, but just the fact that their, you know, their stores open past ten p.m. that right, kind of thing. Yeah. So, but in, you know, since I've been here, it's changed a lot. I kind of wish that I was in high school now because there's a lot more to do than there was back when I was in school.
0: I mean, I would say that I mean everything's changed, but I, I think the downtown revitalizing has been probably the biggest biggest issue. Are you are you in the downtown a lot?
1: Uh, yeah I'm here a lot more often I used to go to Charlotte for a lot more and now I'm finding there are more reasons to kind of stick locally you know there's more vegetarian food available and there's you know we're starting to get some stuff that I you know don't have to cross the border for anymore
0: so so you used to have a, a studio downtown is that right yeah.
1: yeah I've um, I've been doing art since middle school and high school and um, I I've put a few things in shows that have sold and things like that and participated in some of the crawls and things like that. Um, But I had a studio in the basement of the Getty building. I think it used to be a records office.
0: Absolutely cool. So the Getty's building, for for our listeners' benefit here, for our one listener who listens, his benefit, um, Mm -hmm. is a a building that was a a courtroom, it was the post office, it was all this stuff uh, way back in the kind of first iteration of downtown, like 1900s, early 1900s. And, and then it just kind of went dormant and all this, and then the Arts Council has opened it back up to be uh, kind of a cultural center, almost, uh, of this downtown area. And you have uh, sh- music shows that go on in the courtroom, and you have um, art studios, pretty much all through that building, I guess. Uh, do you ever attend any of the music shows that happen in the courtroom?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've actually I've seen a film thing there a long time ago, and I've been to a lot of the music shows. It's a really good venue, because it's, uh, I don't know, the carpet's kind of plush, and then they have the benches and the big windows. So when the lights are down, it's really cool. Well, I think one of the
0: coolest facts, and I may have said this on a podcast before, I surely have, but that people are unaware of, is that the Economic Development Corporation, the board of the Economic Development Corporation, which I'm actually on the board of that organization, but it's all kind of you know your traditional kind of suits kind of folks, you know, for the most part. Um, so the, bank, you know, the presidents of the banks, the president of the university, the president of the, the mayor, you know, all these people are on this board, right? So it's your traditional conservative kind of folks. Well, and then I'm on there too. Um, but they own that building. it. They we, I guess, while I'm on the board, I should say we. We own that building. But we lease it to the Arts Council for $1 a year. And the reason why is because the Arts Council gives a presentation every year, presenting why um, the arts are good for economic development, good for the community. And, of course, I'm a huge supporter of that notion. And so we vote to continue to, you know, lease to the Arts Council for one dollar a year. Well, then, Deborah at the Arts Council lets Mike Gentry use it for free, where he puts on the punk shows there. And so, without being conscious of it, the Economic Development Corporation supports the punk scene in Rock Hill, I think that's great, you know. That's kind of stuff people aren't aware of, though.
1: You can, un, you know, get them to unwillingly agree to things they might not otherwise. Well, you know, for the greater good, you know, to keep culture alive and stuff. It's good. Absolutely.
0: It's a beautiful building, too. Yeah, It is. So what kind of art do you do?
1: Uh, I do drawing and painting mostly. Um, I've been doing a lot more watercolors, but I like them when they're really concentrated and strong not the wishy-washy kind of, you know, watercolors. So I end up doing a lot of sea creatures, so I've done a Japanese spider crab and a peacock mantis shrimp and... <laughs> I may get out of the deep uh, after I do a Kraken or something, but that's... Or a mastodon.
0: I just saw Jurassic World, sorry.
1: Oh, yeah, maybe a mastodon. Yeah. I think they were mad about that movie because raptors are about the size of turkeys, and they were too big in the movie. Oh, well,
0: you know, <laughs> that's the only thing that wasn't real, <laughs> so I think, you know, that we can give them a, a go on that. Um, so you mostly do watercolors and ink, you said?
1: Uh, sharpies usually, or just some kind of ink or drawing. Yeah. Is that on a canvas? Yeah, I like the commitment of ink. I don't like to be able to erase it. So I, you know, if I make a mistake, I have to deal with it. So it's do or die.
0: Cool. Were you involved in any of this stuff with uh, we did the with, I guess you're not a student now, but the students that did the paint the mural on Main Street or any of the stuff with the walkway that's coming through? Have you heard about any of that?
1: no I attended one of the events for you know when they were just showing off kind of what they were doing but I saw the art down there and I really like it you know yeah I know it's temporary because that wall won't always be there but I like what they did and I like that they did it even though you know it won't be there yeah
0: so like so there's a five-story residential building going up there and they had to tear down a building to do it the building was falling down so they couldn't really save it uh, with any type of reasonable expense so they tore it down and now they're going five stories up residential and in the meantime while it's down they had to figure out what to do with the empty space. I thought it was great that they invited kids in to do a mural on a wall, and that they actually are commissioning a significant art piece that will be in the walkway between the two buildings. That's cool. I mean, you're an artist yourself. I mean, what are your opinions on art's role in you know the the bringing back of this downtown and this economy? You know?
1: I think they're definitely like, uh, it's really, really needed. I mean, when you've got like big corporate art projects, like those things that are on South Boulevard and Charlotte look kind of like giant vanilla wafers. And sometimes you're like, why is this even here? I'm sure they spent a lot of money on it and it doesn't really move you very much. Um, So that's one reason why I like that one is because it gets the kids involved and they're you know, like it's something colorful and it's something that, you know, I think it'll give a lot of soul to the, you know, our revitalization so it's not so sterile, which I know is a criticism of a lot of times when they kind of build cities up. Um, so, I think it'll be good, you know, and if it can be moving, so I hope that they pick, I haven't seen it yet, but I hope they pick stuff that, you know, speaks to the community and fits in and, you know, is, keeps it interesting.
0: Yeah, the, the mural they're going to do in that walkway is all about tying in the history of the community in different cultural ways, in uh, different visual uh, ways, and even experiential ways. They're using space beyond the wall, the visuals on the wall. So, it's, it seems to be really uh, promising. In terms of that and I hear you amen to the idea of um I'm gonna steal this by the way I'm gonna steal putting soul in revitalization keeping soul in right um just letting you know I'm gonna steal that but um because I mean you know I always talk about the cultural center you know the I call it the, the village the connected village you know the new economy is about connectivity but it's also about the village I mean the fact that we're sitting here in Millstone is a village thing like people are going back to wanting to live and walk and ride bikes and play and be kind of in a village environment where you have diversity and you have um, interactivity as opposed to live way out in the suburbs where everybody looks like you, their house looks like you. That, you know what I mean? It's more of that kind of... So, so what makes you live in the college and downtown district?
1: Um, well, I was there, I've been there since I was about that age to where I could pass to steal the internet as previously mentioned. Um, but I just like being around all of that kind of energy. I like knowing that things are going on, especially when I don't have to go to those things. I just like knowing that they're happening around me. So it's not just a sleepy, quiet neighborhood, which is fine if that's what you're looking for. But you know, I just I like that there being you know stuff around. You can hear different kinds of music coming from different houses and things like that too.
0: So. I think that uh, it's the it creates gravity that pulls people in. You know, when you have activity and energy. I mean. That was what we struggled with for so long, trying to revitalize downtown. It was like a group of city leaders decided to revitalize downtown, but what does that mean to anybody? Like nothing, ultimately, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, that put a lot of public infrastructure investment into the downtown revitalization, which we needed, and that was good, but until people like yourself are down here, there's no energy, you know? So, you know, a thousand voices, like I think you, as someone who has a studio downtown and lives near the college, is a voice that was missing from the revitalization conversation for 15 years because it was just those people who, you know, met with the mayor on a regular basis who were revitalizing the downtown. I mean, do you feel like you ever encounter an opportunity to put your voice into meaningful civic endeavor or does that not even come across your radar as you move around?
1: Um, I know they had meetings not that long ago with Winthrop. Um, in conjunction with when people were invited to go um, to talk about what we needed and that kind of thing. You
0: know? Was that what that was?
1: I think it might have been. And all the comments, everybody wanted to tear down the money, like every single person in the comments. Um, but, yeah, just... The
0: bar uh, on, on Cherry Road did uh, used to, It was Daddy's money when my dad, when my parents grew up in Rock Hill. <laughs> it was the money when I grew up in Rock Hill. And now it's, it was three other things since then.
1: 21 or something back
0: to being like the money or daddy's money or something,
1: isn't
0: it? Oh, they're closed? Behind the Mic Micah just gave me this sign, he's like, no, don't bring that up, never speak <laughs> of the money. They're closed. Well said, Behind the Mic Micah, well said.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I don't know if they're trying to do anything with the mill. Do you know about the mill? Uh, because there was all kinds of amazing graffiti in there. And I know someone that did some, uh, you know, some paintings and stuff in there, but it's so dilapidated, it's not, it wasn't really safe. So, you know, they didn't condone people actually going in there. But I didn't know if that might be some kind of public space. The
0: whole thing's already been torn down, and that's um, right. It's
1: already gone. Yeah.
0: Now, now, it, it had caught on fire three times, and it was just a mess, and it was a chemical mess, and it was just bad news. Yet, I will give the city credit that they um, looked for opportunities to retain, you know, whatever they could retain from a historical perspective, without it just getting you know astronomically ridiculous from a feasibility standpoint, but. The part they had caught on fire and all the chemicals on, that had to be torn down and abated. Spent $5 million on abating that property and clearing it to like Brownfield. But what they kept was the old powerhouse, which they used to power the whole mill from. And if you go in that powerhouse, man, it's so cool. Obviously there's nothing digital back then. So everything is like, it's like steampunk. Like everything is like these big wheels you spin and big knobs you twist and buttons you push, you know what I mean? And there's all these like gauges and gaskets and that's how they ran the whole mill. The place is insane. So they kept that and they kept uh, the Lowenstein building, which is a giant 200,000 square foot historic building, and the 1920 building. So they were able to keep three buildings, but then they tore down the rest of it because it was in such bad shape. you know. And um, it's a 24-acre spot that they're about to put. It's a private development company that's about to put probably $50 million of in private investment on that property. And the guy who's quarterbacking the whole thing is very much about um, being in line with and retaining the historic quality. He's all about the new economy, walkable urbanism, you know, green space and, uh, paying homage to history. So he's, he's, he's on the right, he's in the right space from my opinion. Okay, I'm so glad
1: that they're trying to retain, you know, the old, you know, kind of character of things without it being, you know, uh, everything ridiculous and clean and new and sterile and, you know.
0: Sterile is the word. I mean, I'm gonna steal that too. Um, it is, it is the negative outcome of poorly planned development. You know, when you just say, it's cheaper to tear it down, clear it out, and build it with cheap new materials, you get sterile. You know, and you can't drive a cultural revitalization with sterile. You need soul. Something
1: that the kids won't respond to. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Kids choose, sterile or soulful. They'd be like, Wait a minute, so sterile means that I can have all the teenage sex I want? No, no, wrong word, wrong word. You misunderstood the question.
1: Be cool if they invited local graffiti artists. If, if there's a canvas somewhere of some side of a building, you know, if they invited people to, to put stuff up, because we have talent in town.
0: That is a very cool idea to have some type of wall that could be graffiti. Legally? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. But you don't want to like make it so controlled that it becomes uncool. Like there's got to be some openness to that process. Like I don't think it would be that you that the city gets to pick that this person gets to paint on this small square. I mean, maybe that'd be okay, but that's just a mural. I mean, it'd be cool if there was some type of graffiti aspect, like where people could just go and do it.
1: You could have like an open call and have people collaborate, you know, on a project. So.
0: That'd be very cool. We should uh, mention that to the, the powers that be.
1: Well, I don't know the powers that be's phone number, but you can mention it to the.
0: <laughs> I've got their email address. <laughs>
1: Another thing I think we're really missing though is film. I'm super happy that we have our Cinema 7 with the hilarious uh, voicemails that the guy leaves for every every week faithfully with his opinions and everything. And, and the fact that we have a cheap theater is awesome. And then we have our classic regular theater in Manchester, but I really wish that we had somewhere that would play midnight movies or indie movies, you know. Sometimes they come to those two that we have, but we don't have anywhere that, you know, like, um, something like the PICS or, you know, some kind of venue like that, or maybe even the courthouse, if they, you know. Well, you know
0: there's uh, friends among us who are trying to make that happen. I don't know if you know that specifically, but there are a couple people in town that I know of that are working pretty hard to make it. I mean, they're, like, you know, trying to make real estate deals. They're trying to put together the business plan, the funding, like, pretty far into trying to make that happen. I think that there's an audience for that for sure. And have you been to the film festival here in town?
1: Uh, no, I haven't been to ours.
0: I've been to the Charlotte one. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I know uh, Behind the Mic Micah was, uh, has been to the one here several times, and I think y'all won. we won the first one, didn't you? he? He uh, just yelled yes from Behind the Mic. <laughs> you can't hear it. Um, he's a quiet guy. He yells quietly. So what, what did you win, Silent Micah? Uh,
1: we won the Audience Award and the Best in Show.
0: Wow, great things to win. That's a pretty big deal. Micah also won, did he, did he tell you this past weekend, for Gospel of Hip Bones, uh, one in Bristol, Tennessee.
1: i am to watch that one. I'm like, pleasantly surprised in the quality of their work. Because you know, usually when friends are in a band or they make something, it's like, oh, I'll see you because I'll support you because you're my friend. And then it's kind of mediocre you, sometimes, and you're like, oh, that's great, good for you. But I genuinely like their stuff, and it's genuinely quality and good work.
0: So. That's a great point. I mean, to, to kind of extrapolate that point, it is, it is it is a part of the kind of DIY culture and experience that you can have a lot of mediocrity, but at least there's a lot of creative activity, and from that comes unexpected greatness, you know what I mean? Yeah, you have exactly. people that you'd never think or that used to would never have had the resources. I mean, like Micah. I'm like, what? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, it comes from anywhere. Like, it's unexpected. I might be at a show... And I'm wanting to see the last band because they're good. And then like the the second band out of five is just amazing. You know what I mean? I'm like where did they come from? You know, so it's just very cool.
1: If you if you foster an environment where people can be creative, good things will always come out of that. I
0: agree with that. I think that's a positive thing of the new economy, the new millennial generation, the idea that you're a you're a photographer because you take pictures. You're a musician because you play an instrument. You're it's not like that some outside uh, legitimacy, usually based on money, is gonna come and legitimize you as being an artist. It's like, no, I'm an artist because I think seriously about and spend my time making art. That makes me an artist. You
1: have to do the thing. You don't have to be some tortured soul. I have friends that went to Micah, the school in Baltimore, the art school, not the man, Micah. Um, But they, you know, I had shows before they did and I did not go to art school. I could not afford that. So, you know, they're like, oh, you've already been in shows. And I'm like, well, you just go up and show them your stuff? And they say yes or no. It's not hard. You just have to do it. Um, so, yeah. That's the
0: entrepreneur spirit, you know. And and all this effort that we're talking about around the country of investing in the entrepreneur, technology incubators, and all the stuff that's all kind of about money and uh, business success and entrepreneurs, to me, it's so tied to the same thing that I grew up in when I grew up in the punk scene. It's it's DIY. It's the ability. It's the, it's the lack of fear and the desire to just go and... Uh, do it because you want to. You just create it, whether it's a business or a piece of art or whatever. But what I do see, though, is um, it's hard to make money enough to uh, get by with uh, the creative arts and the local creative arts, and all, unless you get found, discovered, whatever. And so, I mean, do you think that there's a—I mean, what? do you work somewhere that you would— rather not work and you do your art because it's your passion or do you have the fortune of working somewhere that is also your passion I mean where are you in that
1: situation uh, well, I'm currently unemployed oh, okay. <laughs> but I've, <done laughs> yeah. those things. I've worked in places where I've worked at a job that was really natural to me and I really enjoyed it um, but, I mean, at some point it's always still going to be work, There's st- you know, you'll still have deadlines and things like that, so I've tried not to do um, professions where of things that I really like, like baking for example, I don't want to open a bakery because I know it will become kind of drudgery and things like that. Um, it's sort of a, a delicate balance. It really
0: is because in the, in this new world it seems like if you wanted to open a bakery you could. Now it might not go far, it might fail, it might fall, whatever, but if you wanted to do it you could just do it. Whereas. People used to think like, "Well, I could never do that." I mean, anybody could do that. I mean, I could open a bakery and it would go out of business in two days. I can promise you that. But I could open a bakery, you know. So the idea is that you can do anything, and that pervades people's perspective. But I mean, to your point, like I, I tried to make money off of music, and it ruined music for me. Like I didn't want to make music anymore because I did. I was just doing it to try to make money. It was terrible, and that was very short-lived. But. But still, so I hear you loud and clear on not wanting to turn your passion into money making because it can ruin your passion.
1: Our super connectivity that we have now, you know, that sort of the wild west of the internet that we're all kind of trying to grapple and figure out with, because we're the first generation that's grown up with it. You know, by proxy, um, I feel like on one hand it opens things up to you and you see things that you've never seen before. You know, you you learn about, you know, maybe I want to be a butter sculptor, and, you know, you know, you learn about things and see beautiful things around the world, but then you see that there's somebody else that's way better than you, you know, so you have to kind of, like, temper it both ways, you know, you can do your own thing your own way um, without having to, like, be the very best in the whole entire world, because there's always going to be some kid somewhere that's better than you, whatever, so you really just have to go and find your own little path and, you know, do your own thing,
0: you know, what has always amazed me is, like, if you look at sports, um, I, I love sports, and um, if you look at, um, you know, there's always the people that are in the, you know, NFL, NBA, whatever, and I, I don't have a very positive view of a lot of that, but um, but always, anywhere you go, there's local basketball courts, there's kids out playing. Nobody ever says, well, I, I can't, I can't. Play. I'm not a, I'm not a baller. Like I'm never going to be in the NBA. So therefore, I can't go outside and play a pickup game. So I love that the arts have come to that place where you can just participate. You can just go and and create something and just just play ball. You know, you don't have to be. You don't have to think that. You don't have to be ridiculed or like made to feel bad by your parents or whoever or uh, kind of society that, hey, if you're not going to be in the NBA, you should never even touch a basketball. That used to be the arts community from my perspective, or music, you know. Well, Chuck
1: Jones, you know, the the animator who did a lot of Bugs Bunny, he did Phil Tollbooth. Um, He has like the long eyelashes style. (laughs) The way that he draws is kind of, you know, stylistic, but he, he remember, he talked about when he was in art school and he, everybody else was so much better in him, in his opinion. And he was all upset one day, you know, and his instructor came over to him and asked what was wrong. And he was like, Well, you can't turn a pig into a racehorse. And he was like, No, but you can make a fast pig. So Chuck Jones spent his life trying to you know, be the fast pig, like doing the best of what he could do. So it seems like Rock Hill's finally growing up enough so that there's room to kind of relax and experiment a little bit like that. So I'm really happy that it's getting to a point where there's more going on, more activity, so everybody feels like they can kind of get out there and do what they're trying to do. We've
0: so heard it here first. Rock Hill is a fast pig. That's, that is quoted directly from Amanda, Mandy, Lee, L-E-E, Barney. So Lee is L E I G, and it's a it's a story behind that
1: name, right? It's, it's an acronym of my grandma's names: uh, Louise, Edith, Ida, and Helen, and then um, there's just the G is there just to make it work. Oh
0: right, yeah. What's up, G? That was just thrown in there. <laughs>
1: That's exactly what my dad thought when I was a baby. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, cool, very cool. Um, so. What are your what are your next steps? What are your next? Are you wanting? Are you trying to get out of Rock Hill? Or are you trying to help build Rock Hill? Or are you? Uh, what's the future hold for Amanda Mandy Lee Barnard?
1: Uh, I mean, who knows? From day to day, um, I am much. I've recently, I bought a house here about three years ago. You know, the, the one that I live in now, and I feel the fact that I see a scene now happening. The fact that I see people from Charlotte at events down here instead of the other way around. Um, makes me feel a lot better, <laughs> like about owning property in this town. I feel like uh, we still have a lot of room to grow, and that's you know it's good in a way because it means we're not too big yet. It means parking is still free most places. It means there's not too much traffic, and it's still cost-effective. You know, you can buy a house here without going bankrupt, and even somebody like me can buy a house here. So. Um, but I'm not sure, I've been experimenting with writing It's something I've always been interested in, so I've been doing freelance writing, actually for Charlotte, <laughs> for Charlotte-centric stories, but maybe, I, you know, I can do some here. I've, uh, Rock Hill has, I think the Arts Council does a, a short story competition, short story and poetry competitions every year, so I'm going to write a story and enter a piece this year. I keep meaning to and never have, so I'll finally do it this year. Um, I think Chris Gervais won one year.
0: Did not he? behind the mic Micah is shaking his head. Remember we all went over there? He didn't win? Oh. it was awesome though. He
1: won a scavenger hunt one year, I know that, that we used to do. He won the
0: lottery. He's extremely wealthy. He'll never work with us again. He's he's in Florida at Disney World. He's
1: from an island somewhere. Yeah. From an island in
0: Disney World.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Smurf Island at Carowin. That was overrun with snakes, so they had to close it.
0: Really? Wow. That is unsmurfing believable. Um, so, Amanda, thank you. Um, I think that uh, you know, one of the things we try to do on this podcast is um, hear from voices that uh, are the compelling voices of the cultural center, yet when you start talking about revitalizing a city and the city's economy and stuff, those voices don't tend to be in the conversation. And I think one of the big changes that we're heading to is to understand that it is the, it is cultural vibrance that brings revitalization, that brings economy here. People don't want to be in a place that doesn't have a cultural identity. And you look at some place like uh, Austin, which is just exploding right now to the point to where everybody I know that lives there is now wanting to move because they're too cool for Austin because Austin's become so cool. It's like now mainstream and everybody's moving there and all the prices are going way up and they can't afford to live there and it's growing too fast. And so they're looking for kind of the next cool thing. And I tell communities, I'm like, don't think it's far-fetched that you're the next cool thing. Not necessarily on a national scale, maybe on a regional scale, whatever, but you'll never be that if you don't invest in your own cultural identity. And the way you do that is to not just meet with all the bankers and whatnot. I don't really give the bankers a bad name. I I have a lot of friends around town that are bankers. But you gotta, you know, Florence, Italy was formed at the beginning of the Renaissance based on the artists and the bankers coming together and forming the guild. You have to bring together voices like yourself or you lack a whole segment, the majority segment of the revitalizing population. I mean, I'm going on and on, but do you have any comments about this?
1: If it's one-sided either way, it's probably destined for failure, so... But all those big, cool, like, interesting cities started somewhere. I mean, I've been to Austin, the traffic is terrible and it's way too hot for me. And you're still in the Republic of Texas.
0: Ah, it's like 102 degrees outside right now, here in Rock Hill.
1: It's super hot there, too. They do have interesting stuff, and they have a lot of vegetarian food, which I'm all about, you know, but it's, it's huge, the traffic is terrible there. Um, people have compared that a lot to Charlotte, because of the tree cover and everything, but everywhere started from somewhere I think people always forget the past like um, there's a quote that like you know people always laugh at today's fashions but follow religiously the new or yesterday's fashions but anyway like you know people always um, I don't think people realize where they are in time you know like everybody was always rebellious to their parents from forever you know it's nothing new that you're doing you know and like but people don't it, it's, it, you know you look at LeBron James or somebody and you're like that's a basketball player but you can be one and you can, might be like that too you know it's just hard work and vision and it's I'm really heartened to know that our you know the powers that be that we've mentioned are interested in the other side of the coin so that they're not just steamrolling ahead with um, you know a bunch of corporate decisions because that's really not the way to go to make somewhere interesting and livable. Amen. And I have
0: to give uh, these folks credit because they they invited me on on their board and whatnot, and
1: uh,
0: I always have their ear, and I'm always talking about um, inclusion and the arts and uh, revitalization, and uh, it's a, it's a good thing, man. I mean, Rock Hill is becoming is, is in a positive growth mode. It's not steamrolling over, you know. And, and when somebody feels steamrolled and they speak up, I feel like, and I'm maybe some people don't feel this way, but that. People stop and listen and try to address it best they can based on circumstances or whatever. You know, I've been real impressed with it since I moved back.
1: It's been a sea change for the past few years. You can feel it happening. So I mean, it's getting exciting that things are starting to happen here.
0: Well, thank you for adding your voice to the conversation through this podcast. Um, when we post this podcast, we'll post uh, some information about you and some links and whatnot. You can link us to wherever you want to link us. And um, hopefully you stay part of the conversation. Thanks for being on
1: sure anytime thanks so much
0: we will see you next week on our audio only podcast micah be quiet please